It's time now for Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that shares stories from inspiring people, from a wide range of expert guests, all focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Gina Gardner is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, business coach, and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely You and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. And now, here's your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there, and a huge welcome to this week's episode of Gina Gardner and Friends. I have a very, very special friend today who's come on the show. Her name is Mitzi Perdue. Wow. How, I don't know where to begin, really. She is an author, and she is the author of many books, including the biography of Mark Victor Hansen. You may know Mark Victor Hansen from Chicken Soup for the Soul, and I hope he's going to come on the show on another show. Now, not only is she an author and a journalist, but she is someone who um, has a huge heart and has been doing so much to help those people who are struggling in Ukraine. Since I've met uh, Mitzi, and we've only met virtually, I have to say, I look forward to the day when we meet in person. She has been invited over to Ukraine, to Kyiv, to see what's going on. And the whole theme of this show is about a view of the war in Ukraine that you haven't heard and that you won't have seen on the news, because it is her personal view, and she's had the opportunity to see it in the raw. She has, as I say, a huge heart. And just before Christmas, she sold um, her ring, a ring, an amazing emerald ring for $1.2 million to help people in the Ukraine. And she's going to tell you all about that. So without more ado, Mitzi, a huge welcome onto the show. Thank you very much for joining me. Well, Gina, it's just a joy to be back. I, I loved our previous times together. It's been great. Now, I'd like you to explain to people how you came to be invited to go to Ukraine to see what was going on. It's not your normal sort of invitation, <laughs> is it? Yeah, actually, it was, I don't know, an example of how strangely the world works. But I write a weekly column for the magazine Psychology Today. Uh, I, I actually write for their onlog, online uh, blog. But once a week, I, I produce something having to do with human trafficking. Well, last summer, 
I wrote, I got a chance to interview a man from Odessa, which is part of Crimea, I think, uh, or it's anyway near there. And this man told me that while he escaped Odessa, he got to see how many women were trafficked at the border. You know, a woman is tired, she's desperate, she's not sure she'll ever see her husband again. Uh, she doesn't know how she's going to earn a living. She's just, you know, in, in dire straits. And a kindly looking man on the other side, say in the Polish border, comes up to her and says, uh, I've got a place for you to stay. I can help get you a job. The bus leaves in five minutes, so get in now. And what this guy from Odessa told me, because he got to watch it, is those girls are probably going to be human trafficked. And so I wrote a story about that for Psychology Today, what he told me and what he was doing about it, which was trying to put out pamphlets warning young women, look what's on the other side, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't get into the van when the guy tells you you've got five minutes to make up your mind because you're probably making a decision that will end your life. Okay, so I wrote the story about that, and you know I found it very moving. It was one of my favorite stories, but the most amazing thing came of it. Uh, the story got into the hands of the chief of police for Kiev region, and we know Kiev is the uh, capital of of Ukraine, but the whole region is so big that this guy has sixty five hundred people under him. So it's he's a big deal. But he had written his master's thesis on human trafficking, and he really cared about what I had written about. And pretty soon I'm on a Zoom call in which General Nebitov invites me to come see for myself what I'd been writing about. And I've got a little taste for adventure, and, and that plus I really cared about the issue. So somewhere around 10 days later, I'm in Kiev. As, as the guest of General Nebitov. And I did get to see what I came to see, but along the way, I got to see some of the bravery and courage of the Ukrainian people. And I also, you know, my first night there, oh my gosh, uh, there was an air raid and I had three minutes to get into the bomb shelter before, before the rockets hit. Uh, anyway, I spent five days there um, every day falling more in love with the strength and courage of the Ukrainian people. Uh, I came back and you know, I wrote lots and lots of what I'd seen about human trafficking. Uh, but then it took a slightly different turn. And I'll stop monologuing and, and see what you'd like me to go from there. Well, I think most people, fortunately, have no idea what it is to live in a war-torn place. Sadly, we have wars all over the place. I'd like to have thought that, you know, by this time we would have become civilized as a human race and that wars would no longer be happening. But sadly, that's not the case. My own taste of it is very much secondhand. Um, I have a Ukrainian refugee who is living with me and my eyes have been truly opened to how war ravages families, how life oh. shifts. So I know when we spoke before Christmas that you said to me a few days before it started to happen that the um, the 
focus of the war was going to be to get to the infrastructure and they were going to try and decimate the electricity supplies. And, and indeed, spot on, because that's what happened a few days later. Yeah, in, in my case, uh, when I came back the second time, and I did come back, I'd sold my ring for $1.2 million with all the money going to humanitarian relief. So, boy, yeah, they sure made me feel popular when I came back with that. Okay. But, but I had asked to, to I had heard that the, that the Russians were targeting the infrastructure of electricity. And I had asked, I'd, I'd like to see a transformer station or a power station. And they arranged it for me. And I got to see a power station. And I'm going to bet that there may be somebody who's listening to us who's seen a power station but I never had. Uh, you know, I just looked at it. It's just huge and amazing. I have no idea what's going on. But, but the, you know, my guide, the the person who's head of the power station, was explaining that the power station I was looking at imagined a couple of tennis court size space, and they're just all these. They they look to me like towers with lots of wires going in between them. And the guy who who's in charge of this transformer station said, we have a great disadvantage. He said, this is a Soviet-era power station. They once controlled it. They've got the blueprints for everything, and they know exactly where to target to do the most damage. Can you imagine? Well, okay, so this person told me that this particular power station had been attacked 10 times. But they have one way of kind of defending against it, and that is a technology from 200 years ago, uh, sandbags. Uh. At the very, yeah, at the, it turns out that a sandbag is, or enough sandbags, is a good defense against Russian missiles. So for the kind of the most vulnerable parts of this transformer station, uh, and I may be wrong. I'm going to give just an eyeball guess of what I saw, but it looked as if maybe 10 feet tall and maybe 40 feet wide of sandbags. And I don't know how many, uh, I don't know how deep the sandbags were, but they were deep enough so that the missiles that had struck it, it had, it had successfully stopped. But the next day, there was one more or an additional attack of a cruise missile on the power station and they knocked it out this time they got through and this was a a, a station that provided a third of the electricity for Kiev, and Kiev you know suddenly black i mean it was the most amazing thing to see a city where ever every i'm going to bet that every city you've ever seen in your life uh has has lights in the buildings and when you just see at dusk the kind of skeletons of buildings with, with no lights in them, it's it's very disconcerting. And I did I I did an interview at a school nearby. Uh, the next day, uh, there was some electricity left, so I'm at the school uh, conducting an interview with kids about what it's like to study during a time of war. And I'll probably start bawling as I tell this story. But uh, the the day I was there, um, 
there was another attack on the power system and the rest of the power went out and half the students didn't make it to the school because they were stuck in the subway because the subways were shut down. And can you imagine being a kid underneath, you know, in, in complete darkness, not knowing when when you're going to get out? The, the school had 300 students and half of them were stuck in subways and couldn't get there. Oh, and yeah, that, that happened partly because of the, uh, the power station being broken down. And I, I told you that, that I was likely to cry when, when I tell a story, but there is a story I'm dying to tell, permission Go to tell it. Go on. Okay. Uh, so there, all of us are like 75 kids in a bomb shelter in, in the cellar of the, uh, of the school. And by the way, I learned something that, that you Brits might know, but was new for me as an American. A bomb shelter will pretty much always be below ground yes. because the idea is uh, that there aren't windows to break. There, uh, The force of an explosion goes sideways. And if you're below ground, you're, you're pretty much safer than you would be anyplace else. Okay, so there I am uh, still interviewing kids. And I was kind of surprised that they were, yeah, their city's under attack. Uh, and the teacher told me that she had, she had all these, she had armfuls of, of games for the kids to play for her math and physics class, thinking they'd need to be distracted because they're, they're, yeah, they're, their city's under attack. Their city's being bombed. And she told me, in front of the kids, she told me what they had told her. We don't want your games. We want to study physics and chemistry, what we're here for, because we're going to be needed to rebuild the the country. And this is our job right now. And we're not going to go play games. We're going to keep studying physics and, and math and science so that, so that we can rebuild our country. You know, it's hard to believe, isn't it? If I talked to my parents, for example, who lived through the Blitz during the Second World War, they had an understanding of what it was like to not know from one day to the next whether your house was going to be standing. I'm 70 this year, and yet I have never, ever been in a situation where I have been in a life or death um, fear of whether my house is going to be blown up. But it was brought home to me when talking to Irina, there was a very big bomb hit Nipri last week and her a whole block of, of apartments just disappeared and her sister lived in the next door block. Oh. And because of the electricity problem, can't always have her phone charged. And so it was waiting to hear whether or not her sister was okay. Oh, my Lord. And we forget, we take so much for granted that if you're in a block of apartments, when the electricity goes out, there's no water, there's no sanitation because the pumps can't work. You've got no lights, no heating, no cooking, no phones. Well, i tell you what happened in the hotel where I was. I mean, hold on to that because we're going to have to go to a short break. But while we are going on a short break, what I'd like you to do as listeners, I just want you to think about how often you use electricity and how life would be if suddenly it wasn't there. 
So please don't go away. There's much more to talk about. And I know this might be difficult, but ultimately, I think it's only when we hear the reality that we're in a position to make decisions about what we're going to do. So thanks very much. Don't go away. After I came home from Iraq, I could still hear the booms. Makes it hard to be a good mom. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I'm Naomi Mathis, Air Force veteran. DAV helps veterans get the benefits they've earned. Thanks to DAV, I was able to begin to heal. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. My victory is being able to be here for my children. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. So, what is love? Love is being independent. Love is dancing. The Shriners Hospital for Children loves a new smile. At Shriners Hospitals for Children, love is caring for a child regardless of the family's ability to pay. If you know a child we can help, visit ShrinersHospitalsForChildren.org. Welcome back. Before the break, Mitzi was about to embark upon a story and I cut her short. I'm sorry about that. So would you like to share it with us? Oh, I just wanted to share, you You had been talking about your parents lived through the Blitz and I'm 11 years older than you, 81. So I was I was around, but not in England, but, but we certainly had many relatives in England and we sort of had an idea what was going on. But what, what I saw in... Uh, in that school that, that I was describing a moment ago, I asked one of the students, I mean, I had full scale interviews with all of them and I've written stories about it, but something that just stuck in my mind was I asked a 12 year old girl, do you have any message for people in the West for what you're going through? And she said, yes, cherish your, your opportunities for education because we wish that that we could have a normal education where, and then then she described something that was going on in her life uh, with the electricity going on and going off uh, in in her segment of Kiev, they could she could pretty much count on having the electricity come on at ten at night and be on for one hour, and she said that she could be, you know, she would like to study from six to nine but there's no electricity, she can't do it. So she has to cram three hours of study into one hour after her bedtime. And she was said, you know, the, the young people in the West just need to know how blessed they are that they can study and not worry about the electricity going off or their building being bombed. I think we've moved away, haven't we? We're so, most of us, if their people are listening to this, the chances are that they've got a roof over their head, they've got clean water, they've got enough food to eat. But I'm reminded of, you know, the, the charity that 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 we are about to, to start supporting, which is one that, that Irina, my Ukrainian, used to support beforehand. And that was supporting mainly orphans before the war um, who were um, who needed help. Now, of course, it's much broader to people who've been dispossessed, uh, displaced. So it's mothers and families, but still the orphans. And there was a really poignant picture of uh, of orphans being given warm clothing because there is no heating 
and then being given sort of fleecy tracksuits to wear to keep them warm. And on that particular day, it was minus 27. Oh. And you you start to think about all of the things that we take for granted. But I know before Christmas, your work was all focused on philanthropic work around helping trafficked women and children. But I know that you've shifted the emphasis. And I'd like you to explain to our listeners why what you're you're focusing on now and why you believe that's so important. Okay, I certainly still care about human trafficking. I'm not suggesting for a moment you don't at all, and I know you still do lots for them, but but you've brought something new to the arena, haven't you? Very much. I've just been blissfully ignorant of, but the Russian invaders, I, I, I can't even guess why they would have this approach. I guess it's to demoralize people, but... How about that they have been seeding the country with millions of landmines? I've I've seen videos of trucks that have rockets on top of them, and the rockets can fire landmines like three miles away, 600 at a time, and they just fall randomly, and you don't know where they are. And But on top of that, one of their favorite things to do is they, they hide landmines in children's playgrounds, and the landmines, they can, you know, some of them look like dolls or teddy bears or a soda can or a glove. I mean, you might want to pick up a glove. or But the most, I think the most horrible of all is, is they're landmines that look like leaves, like an oak leaf. They're, if, if you're walking along, say there's a pile of leaves in the corner of, of a playground and there's one of these landmine things they're, they're, I'm told that they're carefully constructed of, I think I've got this right, but don't hold me to it, 10 grams of explosive, which is enough to take your foot off, but it's not enough to kill you. And this is something that the Russians have done in other countries like Afghanistan, or I think, well, I don't want to name the others because I'm not sure enough. But uh, the idea is you maim a child for life That means that their parents are probably going to be caring for the child rather than out fighting the war, defending or fighting against the Russians. So they can take three people out if they take a child out. Uh, So, you know, having, having heard about that, about the landmine situation, it occurred to me that much as I care about human trafficking, I mean, totally, but how do you recover from being trafficked if, if you don't know that your next step is going to blow your foot off? Uh, so it occurred to me that in the sort of the hierarchy of things that it seems to me that, that I want to devote my effort to, I want to, I want to work on demining Ukraine. And, you know, I can't do it. But there is an organization called Halo. It's been an Oh, as a Brit, you know about Halo, whether you know that you know about it or not, because when Princess Diana was in that iconic photograph, uh, if you look at it, on on her chest is the name of Halo, the organization that arranged it. So they've been been in business a long, long time. They put a tremendous amount of research into the best ways of, of getting rid of landmines, and they use artificial intelligence and robots and drones and 
Yeah, they're just extraordinarily good at it. They have, the last I heard, 538 landmine clearing people on the ground. And yeah, with more funds, they could clear more landmines. And I'm thinking, my guess is that everyone in our audience would like to leave the world a better place, I hope. And here's a way for $5 you can make a difference. I mean, I would love it if people donated more than that, but I I, I love the idea of having a large number of donors because uh, the, the glory of that is I get to tell the people in Ukraine when I return, which I'm going to, hey, worldwide, you had a thousand supporters. Or more. The or, thing uh, is, what, I think that not only is it about the money, but I think when people actually focus on the kindness, the the having heart, that that makes a difference in the world too. And I know that many people are struggling, but if, if they can give a little, that goes a long way, doesn't it? A huge long way. And And my theory is, well, I'm going to quote my late husband, who said, if you want to be happy, think what you can do for somebody else. On the other hand, if you want to be miserable, think what's owed to you. And this is a way of thinking what you can do for somebody else. I mean, what what must it mean to a village or a town or a city to have a mind-free place where their kids can play, go outside, get vitamin D, get exercise, which they can't if they have to stay indoors because they're worried about mines. You know, we can make a fantastic difference in people's lives. We can indeed. Now, I would like you, if you're listening, please, to go and get a piece of paper and a pencil because we're going to give you the address straight after the break. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking. Now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Welcome back. So if you'd like to give and help clear landmines in Ukraine, help people have a chance of a better life, then you need to donate to Donor C. That's D-O-N-O-R-S. Ee.com donor c as in seeing i.com forward slash mine free ukraine so donor c.com forward slash minor free uh mine free ukraine i'll say that again donor c.com forward slash mine free ukraine now I'd like to just spend the last couple of minutes talking about your um, your autobiography, your biography, rather, should I say, of Mark Victor Hansen. I know you two are great friends. So just a couple of minutes, because we've not very good, very much time. Just tell people about your biography. It's a brilliant book. I've read it. It is just amazing. Well, uh from my point of view right now, the most important thing about it is every penny of the royalties will go for mine clearing in Ukraine. So if somebody buys it, uh, and also it's it's for sale in February. Eh, I don't want you to wait, but in February, 
it's for sale on Kindle for $2.99. I don't know what that is in pounds, but it's it's half the price it usually is. Uh, and the benefit for you is, I've heard people say that it's life-changing, that it's a once-in-a-century book, that it's uplifting, that it will it will make you want to be more than you ever thought you could be, and then it will give you the steps for getting there. And it's a roaring good story because... All right, one little snippet from it. The book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, it sold 500 billion copies. It's in the Guinness Book of World's Records for selling so many, and that's because it's really good and it's really helpful. That's Mark's book. Uh, but it was it was turned down by publishers 143 times, and he had the stick-to-itiveness just never to give up. Now, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know your story and whether your story would be good for the show. Please email me at Gina, G-I-N-A, um, at Gina Gardiner. Gardiner is spelled G-A-R-D-I-N-E-R uh, and friends.com. So that's Gina Gardiner and friends.com. But I'm going to leave you with the address of the charity so that you can donate to Landmines. It's donor. D-O-N-O-R-C-S-E-E dot com forward slash mine free Ukraine. Mitzi, it just remains for me to say a huge thank you to you. It's been a, a pleasure to have you on the show and it's a real privilege to know you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. See you in the next show. Thanks for listening to Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that helps you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. To learn more about Gina Gardner, go to genuinely-u.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at gina at genuinely-u.com.